This is Sophie Blue. You're listening to Lost and Rewound on Radio Free Brooklyn. Time to get embarrassed with us. Good afternoon, Brooklyn and beyond. This is your weekly dumpster dive into the rough and raw sounds of your old audio lost and rewound right here on Radio Free Brooklyn. I am your host, Alon Danziger. We do this every week on Radio Free Brooklyn as a way to dive into our past and look back at ourselves with an objective ear and look back and learn how we became who we are today. So connecting the dots between then and now is a big component of what makes Lost and Rewound what it is. And if you want to be a part of the show and you want to contribute what you have in your archives, you can do so at Lost and Rewound at RadioFreeBrooklyn.org. And we accept any and all of your submission ideas. We're curious to hear what you may have. If you want to listen to our show on the web, you can go to our profile page at RadioFreeBrooklyn.org slash L-A-R. That's our profile page where you can hear all of our past episodes as well through our new platform called Megaphone. So many episodes, honestly, I would recommend taking a look through our SoundCloud archives if you want to find some tangible, downloadable files. If not, uh, Spotify or iTunes. Uh, You can also listen to us on the Radio Free Brooklyn app for iPhone or Android. That's right. You can get the Radio Free Brooklyn app for your device. Just go to either the Google Play Store or the App Store for iPhone, and you could get the free mobile app, of which won't take up much room in your phone whatsoever. It's really very handy, and you could listen to all the programs that Radio Free Brooklyn has to offer, not just this one. And thank you for listening, if you are have already downloaded it. Otherwise, be there on the web. Just, you know, hang out, stationary on your computer. Why not? If you want to be in tune to all that Radio Free Brooklyn has to offer anyway. There's plenty of that to go around. We have a newsletter that we send only once a month to your inbox. We are dedicated to a spam-free world, so you can definitely expect all sorts of news, ticket giveaways, special offers on RFB, shwag, shwag, much, much more. And you could sign up for that newsletter at radiofreebrooklyn.org slash newsletter. Without further ado, let us begin and see what we got this week for Lost and Rewound. guest is a talented singer-songwriter who hails from New York City and only just gotten back to the city after finishing up her undergraduate studies at the University of Minnesota studying global studies and film. But she has also had quite an array of experiences after spending time in London doing her thing, and she has already hit the ground running as she has gotten to play pianos and Three's Brewery, just to name a few. Please say hello to this week's guest, the one and only Sophie Blue. 
Thank you for having me. It is a pleasure to have you. And you uh, were telling me uh, before we went to air that uh, you got to spend some time in London and you, you play piano. How long, first of all, have you been playing piano for? I've been playing piano since I was probably about nine. I used to take lessons and I wished that I had kept going with lessons. But yeah, but I've been playing for for a while. I'm not as good as I wish that I was. But... Not as good as you wish you thought you were, huh? <laughs> well, I, I started out playing classical. I maybe kind of wish that I had uh, kept with sort of the classical field of study, if you will. But it's never too late. You, you know, have an instrument like a piano. It's yeah. not necessarily the easiest instrument to be playing on the streets. It's not. Um, <laughs> so you're just like busking with a keyboard, basically? Yeah. Well, I was, I was, yeah, I was doing that. I got a battery powered um, one, not unlike what I will be playing oh, today. Oh, well, we'll, we'll get to that um, later. <laughs> and so, yes, I, have, I had a battery powered, um, very bottom of the barrel Yamaha. And I would kind of take that around with me. I actually, I played shows with it too which um, is only a little embarrassing, but um, it worked. It was it was good. Its name is Gary. It's actually still at my boyfriend's mom's house in Southeast London. Mm. So it it lives, he lives there. <laughs> I, I love that you gave your keyboard a name, first of all. And secondly, <laughs> you know, what made you decide to go to London in the first place? Was it because of said boyfriend or what was no, the um actually impetus? no. Um, I went initially for my study abroad. Um, it was actually required to study abroad for my global studies program. And yeah. so I headed off to London. So I was studying at the Queen Mary University of London there. I would just email and call and bother pubs and venues that had live music. So I just kind of was like, I just moved here. I don't know anybody but I play music, so let me play. <laughs> what what kind of that must be so intense when you are coming about? You're you're totally a fish out of water when you're in a brand new uh, environment as a musician, and not. You, you mean obviously everyone speaks the same language, but it's not at the same language, really. I mean, yeah. it must be sort of strange. You being this old yank lass calling all the <laughs> British pubs asking to get a slot on the open mic. Yeah, and I actually didn't even do that many open mics. I I kind of like was in this cocky at it like moment of my life where I was like I'm done with open mics I don't want to do them right now done with open mics. But I love open mics but I just in that period of my life I was like no I want I want to I want to play on a stage or I want to play where that's and I'm a slightly more uh I don't want to say formal but a little bit, a bit more of an, um, an organized show where I'm on the bill but that's the beautiful incredible thing about London music culture is that it is rather accessible, actually, I think more accessible than New York. Pubs like to have live musicians play music. And so some pubs are just music pubs or, or just are um, that much more accessible and available for musicians to play. So I picked up on that culture, that vibe. And I'd, I'd done my research a little bit. So many of the musicians that I like and I am inspired by are English um, or have lived in London. And so I kind of tapped into that and it worked. Were those artists that you grew up listening to through, you know, parental yeah. uh, uh, influence effectively? Um, definitely a great bulk of music that I listen to. I, I owe to my parents um, a mix, of course, things that I maybe got into more on my own. But um, yeah, I, I mean, a lot of them are, are artists that my parents we're listening to, and I'm so grateful to them for having good music taste. <laughs> well, can you recall first memories of listening to a record or a CD? 100%. Or... The, I have very vivid memories, actually. Um, audio is a huge part of my upbringing. Yeah. Um, my dad is an audiophile. He's an audio collector. Oh, I know the type. <laughs> yeah. Mm. 
So it just everything about audio equipment, the sound system, the quality of sound, what sounded good on what equipment, what energy and vibe did certain equipment bring to the music. It was just what I grew up with. Um, The joke in my household was that if I came home from school or my, you know, somebody came home from work, whatever, if there wasn't music playing, then there was something wrong. Like, oh, what's happening? There's no music on, you Mm -hmm. know, always music on just constantly. On Saturdays, we would, you know, be doing whether it was cleaning around the house or when I was younger and I was just, you know, not helping clean, but I was playing Never radio though, right? Um, no, a mix. It was definitely a mix. Um, it was a mix of records or CDs. Um, my parents really liked to listen to everything from Cocteau Twins to Jeff Buckley. A lot of the early Coldplay, which I am an early Coldplay stan. I, I don't understand what that word... I don't know where that came from either. It's slang. It's, it's, slang. it's slang that it you just, kids are using. It just developed. Um, okay, but so you stand by your Coldplay fandom from an not, early age. Well, let's 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 <laughs> let's not. <laughs> don't quote me on this. Okay, okay. Um, I'm no, listening. but there is some right when that early stuff came out in like uh, I guess that was like early two thousands. Yeah, yeah, that played in the house quite a bit. Uh, my dad's favorite band is the Shins, so that was in the house all the time. Sure. I mean, so many others. But then it was also radio. Um, parents loved to listen to KCRW. So yeah. um, that was on all the time. KCRW, that was a station that I only knew about because of Nick Harcourt, yeah. who uh, moved over from my home radio station of WDST to KCRW. Yeah. Morning Becomes Eclectic. Morning was, Becomes Eclectic was on in my house all the time. That's, that's awesome. <laughs> that's super cool. Yeah. I, I remember I got like a I don't remember what year it came out, but it was a compilation of all sorts of great groups. Mercury Rev, who have yes. Hudson Valley ties. Um, ooh, Beth Orton. Um, yeah. I'm trying to remember other ones, but it, it, there was a lot of, of groups that kind of fit that sort of very uh, adult contemporary ethos, but yeah. really kind of has a trans. It translates really well to younger generations. Totally. Because, I actually think that's yeah. where the Shins connection came from i'm pretty sure my dad heard them on kcrw that's so first. cool yeah so you were uh definitely inspired by i mean be it you know indirectly or directly the sort of the taste making uh sensibilities of sure. uh, radio djs who really spoke to your father's uh music tastes and, and my mom my mom was even maybe more of a radio listener because she would play it in the sh- in the design showroom that she worked at were your parents involved at all in music even from a vocational standpoint this is what i say about them is that they're they are not necessarily musicians but they are great music appreciators so that includes singing around the house they were never in bands or anything like that necessarily but actually they both come from a choir background um both of them both of them yeah they're uh, they're from the midwest is that correct they are yeah where in the midwest so my dad is from a little bit north of duluth minnesota which is like mm, the canadian border almost hey all right Um, it's (laughs) yeah it's way up there he grew up on a farm and he was a part of the tabernacle choir well actually it was a school choir run by a tabernacle director my mom grew up in a catholic household and so she was in church choir and school choir and she loves to sing she loves musicals and she sang me lullabies all the time but she sang me kind of unusual lullabies <laughs> like songs from oliver or like <laughs> you know um peter pan and things like that wait but she grew up in the midwest too she then? did she was she's from milwaukee okay yeah. so both of your parents are from like the north midwest region yeah uh both from what sounds to be like pretty religious background um both families were like 
had those religions, but we're not um, like extremely practicing. Sure. Um, in either case, but I, you're you're a good Irish Catholic. I can just tell. <laughs> the the presence of music, however, whether you're practicing the religion or not, the, I don't think either one of them really could ca- have cared less about the attending church other than the fact that there was music there. Right. Did they meet in New York or did they meet outside um, of New York and then move to New York and had you? Um, so if I get it correct, I'm pretty sure they actually met in an airport. Really? Um, yeah. Or on an airplane, something like to do with air airports or airplanes because they were going to the same place to Minneapolis, actually, I think for a mutual friend's they knew somebody that, you know, they didn't know each other, but then they had been, like been told about each other or something. And they think they were introduced at a party in Minneapolis one time and then saw each other on this airplane and were like, oh, hey. <laughs> um, and then they but then didn't really speak. And then they ended up both in New York and actually ran into each other on the street. That's so cute. Yeah. When you were uh, raised in New York, where where in New York were you raised? So I'm originally from the Lower East Side of Manhattan. Oh, boy. Um, I'm originally from St. Mark's Place, actually. What? Yeah. We stop right there. <laughs> what cross streets? Um, Avenue A. OK. Wow. Yeah. St. Mark's. It holds dear a very strong memory for me when I first uh, was visiting New York, kind of like in my more impressionable high school time. Yeah. Uh, I guess I'm, it was 1999. Everything that I assumed of New York City just sandwiched into one city block. Yeah. Between 2nd and 3rd Avenue on St. Mark's Place. It was dirty. It was grimy. It was hip. It was expensive. <laughs> and mm-hmm. there was good food. Everything that it was all in there. There was just so much hustle and bustle and mm-hmm. action that was going on. And then, you know, you, you move over between 1st and A and you get closer to Tompkins Square Park and right. it's going to still retain that sort of feel, albeit a little quieter since you're by a park. But sure. I don't know. Like, what was it like being living in that area? It must have been super um, I rad. I rem- remember a whole lot since I was pretty young um, when we moved. But um, you moved there when? Um, I moved from there. I don't know. I'm. It's still in like I was under five. Oh, um, so you moved yeah. around New York? Okay. Well, you moved. Yeah, yeah. And then um, we moved to like just a little bit north of the Bronx. So. Oh wow. Yeah. Okay. Where um, Where did you like to, over like, like Westchester? Um. Yeah. It's like it's it's southern Westchester. So New like New Rochelle. I it's see. One one stop after Fordham. So your parents were smart. They were like, once our daughter is old enough, we are not going to be beholden to the New York City public school system. Yeah, they were thinking that, and also, I mean, those buildings on St. Mark's are old tenement buildings that's right um they are very small Mm -hmm. (laughs) um and when they moved there in you know the mid 80s um that was not a i mean it was a desirable place to live because it it was full of music punk largely um and so there was a community growing or you know living there but um it was also a lot of heroin and a lot of just general drug usage and homelessness in that area. So in the 80s, it was like still pretty affordable. And then as they had me, you know, approaching the mid 90s, the rent started to go up and the space was not conducive to having a child. They were like, it was a one bedroom in parentheses. Curious as to uh, if this may have also really lent itself to allowing you more uh, space to hone in on being a musician uh, while growing up because, you know, the fact that 
you're living in a quieter space really allows you to flourish more and you know have that concentration and not be so f- focused on other things that you know the youth of that time might have been more yeah into. i think my parents would have loved actually to stay in the area they they, they didn't care about any of those things at all um but uh, there just wasn't the space yeah so um like i said my dad is an audio collector so there wasn't the space to have a substantial sound system that he was interested in building or you know buying and collecting we never would have had a piano we have a beautiful upright at my parents' house that mm. we got for uh, in uh, in like a estate sale or something. That's Some, so like steel. Awesome, though. Yeah. Wow. Um, and uh, we never we, like you just wouldn't have had that. We didn't have that kind of luxury to ever have a place that would have been big enough to have any of those things. So it really worked out. I still grew up in an apartment and. I've never lived in a house, actually, ever. I have no idea what living in a house is like. You went to University of Minnesota, and that's a sea change from even being in the New York area. Yeah. What, First of all, what made you decide to go all the way out that far? Uh, was it just to be part of your roots? And um, also, what kind of a uh, living situation were you at around? Yeah, um, I think I, I mean, I was an only child, and I think I... I just wanted a change of scenery. I don't think I was like ready to move into the city or a lot of people that I knew were doing that. And I was like, no, I'm going to be different. (laughs) I couldn't afford to go to NYU or anything like that. Or, you know, I'm not sure if I would have gotten in either. I thought about applying to like the new school or something like that. But ultimately, I just wanted something different. So I headed out with ideas to go actually to the University of Wisconsin because that's where my whole family went to school. My dad didn't go to college, but my whole mom's family um, went to the University of Wisconsin. And so I thought I was going to go there, but ultimately decided to actually be in Minneapolis because of the difference in music communities um, and arts communities in general. Madison is an uh, awesome place, but Minneapolis is much more of a cultural hub the so min- to speak yeah the minute i think of minneapolis i my mind goes to underground hip-hop almost instantaneously yeah, there was and a lot of that we i mean every weekend we, we went to shows what kind of music scene even exists in minneapolis post 2010 that i don't know about oh my gosh um well i was mostly a part of um a really like a diy scene so um that's super cool yeah, I can say nothing but good things about being part of a Minneapolis DIY scene. You were a part of that. Um, yeah. Um, we would host shows. We would be on each other's bills and um, get things together. We would have visual arts. Um, we'd have live performance art, live paintings w- while people were playing to the music. It was like, it's just this wonderful extremely creative group of people that I was immersed in and I'm really grateful for that. So there's that that's very present there. All genres have sort of this DIY thing going on there, which is um, really cool. So um, if you're not finding it in one genre that you're looking for, it's certainly existing in what you're looking for. You maybe just need to switch up your friend group or, or look for it somewhere else. But yeah. How long did it take you to find that crew, that that um, collective it's not because I didn't know the people, but maybe sort of like let myself go or like became more explorative with my own creativity end of sophomore year and and junior year of college. And then, of course, through senior year that I really, um, I guess, kind of delved into that. I've always been pretty hungry to just have my hand in pretty much anything creative that was happening around me, especially at like a ground up level. I just I'm incredibly sure. inspired when people are like, I have this idea and I want to do it. And I'm like, yeah, let's do it. Yeah. You know, I, I'm very, I'm, I think I really feed off of that kind of energy. And I think I just met a couple people that 
had some cool spaces or I, you know, I met somebody that knew somebody that had some cool spaces. Um, a lot of the college houses around the university campus would be DIY spaces either in the whole house or in the basement. And they would have sort of each would have names. Actually, I, I met a wonderful artist. Her name is Hannah Westerholm. And uh, she is actually working on some awesome stuff in Minneapolis right now. Um, but she and I were very, I think, like-minded. And she had some awesome friends that she introduced me to. And she had this space in Cedar Riverside area of Minneapolis. And they would host these parties, events, entrance into a different realm spectacles that were like so much fun and we would just put that together were these connections that you were making in minneapolis allowing you to create and forge connections to maybe you know further yourself as an artist or were you gonna simply just use these as a sort of stepping stone to help influence your solo artistry the people that i've met with their creative drive in every way. I mean, musicians or visual artists, um, performance artists, while I was there in Minneapolis have shaped me in every way. Like I said, they were very um, just excited to do creative things. And they were excited by people that wanted to be like the sort of most creative versions of themselves. So I, it really encouraged me to delve into my style of performance on stage, my yeah. my clothing, my Your clothing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean clothing is an express incredibly expressive way to dig into creativity. I, I think that clothes can be or costuming even you could say what people choose to present themselves as on stage. I, I noticed um, that there was something um and, and correct me if I'm wrong, but uh it seemed like you had some kind of interest in the Joan of Arc symbol. Yeah, I do. Um, what Talk about that a little bit. Sure. I, I've been fascinated with the concept of idols for a long time, um, not just in like a Christian faith, but across spirituality in general. Joan of Arc is a really interesting character or archetype, you could even say. She was a child, essentially, and was burned at the stake for heresy. She's now consider saint in the Catholic Church, um, but she, a lot of people would also say that she's kind of a witch, that she had premonitions. I'm interested in the presence of a feminine spirituality that defies cultural and societal demands on women. It's kind of humbling, though, when you're going into a whole other magical DIY scene like Minneapolis's uh, while you were in undergrad, having the New York street cred effectively. Uh, but when you <laughs> when you come back to New York, it must be a sort of a humbling experience to be now influenced by your experience Definitely. in a whole other region. Absolutely. I think that there's something less harsh living in the Midwest than living in New York. There's a fieriness, a flame that burns, certainly, but there's also sort of a, a, a slowness or a softness um, that comes with living in the Midwest, which I didn't know that I was going to embrace and like so much actually coming from New York. I mean, it was difficult. I found myself often like I was trying to run 10 steps ahead instead of just walk the kind of pace of life that is um, happening there. But since coming back, I actually feel like it's benefited me so much. I love living in big cities. And, and the reason that I'm not in Minneapolis right now 
is because I did my time there. I loved it. I love visiting. I love going back, but I would never, I'm, we're not never, but I just don't want to live there right now. I want to be back in big cities. It's where I'm most comfortable. Yeah. I mean, what, you're only just now back in New York, effectively less than a year, right? Yeah. And uh, now is your time to really kind of capitalize on being here. Yeah. Um, and I, and I felt like that in London too, that I, when I got there, I was, I, just I fell in love with the city entirely in every way and especially with the music that's happening there um, and the city itself like yes New London is very is extremely comparable to sprawling. New York it is sprawling and it's also really old um, so there is a kind of gentility that goes with along with I think the amount of history that it has so sure. it's not as busy as New York in that sense it doesn't have that same kind of overwhelming feel of like rush hour in Manhattan of being like, oh my God, there's so many people. Um, yeah, so how do you market yourself? It's like you really, you can't really necessarily, it's so, simply just, you know, finding a good solid group of people or a solid yeah. owner of a of a, an establishment that's willing to uh, put you on. I'm looking for that here. <laughs> you will find it. We, you know, you have a Kurzweil that you normally I bring do. with you to uh, <laughs> all these gigs. And I imagine that it's like you are pouring your energy, not just into the music, but just carrying this bloody thing with you everywhere yeah. to these gigs. I live in a three-floor walk-up. Oh, um, <laughs> so... Um, I love my neighborhood, so I don't want to move out of my building, but um, I'm getting very physically fit. Let's just say that. <laughs> it's very f difficult. Full disclosure, for this program today, you did not bring your Kurzweil I to the studio. I did not. You did not because it was not capable of playing for the audience to listen to. But what we did manage to improvise, <laughs> and this is the, probably like the upteenth time that this keyboard has made an appearance, it's my keyboard. From the house that I uh, I went and I brought uh, over with me to uh, give to you to play. You're about to play a song for us in a little bit from uh, that you can actually hear on SoundCloud, if I remember correctly. Why, why don't you tell us a little bit about the song first, and then we'll go sure. talk about how hilarious this keyboard is. Yes. It's called Floodgate. It is um, in demo form available on SoundCloud and Bandcamp. I wrote it several years ago. It's a rumination on the sort of like in-between stage of deeply caring about somebody, but not wanting to be a part of their world anymore. That's a very confusing place to yeah. be. And I know exactly how you yeah. feel. <laughs> and now yet here we are about to hear this song on a Casio of my own contribution. Are you feeling a little trepidatious? I am. I'm. Uh, it's a whole other beast. <laughs> but it's, it's going to sound great. It's going to be lo a lo-fi dream. It's going to be, it's, I'm it's something excited. New for, it's something, it's something new, new, yeah. Something borrowed, something blue. Out it of is, actually. Old, and it's going to be new. And it's exclusive yeah. right here on Lost and Rewound, yeah. Sophie Blue. Home. 
He talked of dreams and skies and bees and dives in the road. I love the things that you're speaking of, but it's tough. I get it, man. We're stuck half in love. Mm -mm. But around the way, since I never planned things straight, I'm just pushing. To the floodgate I didn't need help but I needed a friend We're only as strong as our best jokes in the end And we laughed so hard I cried I'm a To the floodgate yeah. And it's 5am And you're awake in your bed All shook by the love And it's all that is left And I know you're alone You always are I would have taught you to dream But we never got that far you a song but the words got lost in my heart I never say no I mean to well that's not Gorgeous. <laughs> Thank Bravo. you. Bravo. Really, really great stuff. Thank you so much. Uh, and how about that Casio CT648? Wowza. Yeah. <laughs> I love, I'm a gearhead too. You tell your dad when this airs. Uh, or, oh, you know, he's going to love this. He's going to love this. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> from what it may be worth, um, I'm glad that uh, this was able to suffice uh, as a re- real, re- as a, re- a realistic replacement. Uh, not not the most ideal, but it, it certainly does the trick. It, well, it's bringing something entirely different. It to, lends itself to the song, so I mean, and look, I'm not used to it. So it's I'm, I love experimenting. I, look, you know, I'm not the one who made the accents. You picked the accent when you uh, <laughs> wanted to uh, play it, and it. Blah, blah. It's haunting. <laughs> it is. Yeah, I saw a pipe organ, and I was like. You know, you only live once. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, you're going to play another one later. We have to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to actually dive into some of your older work. Uh, You know, oh, I'll be, you know, look, I mean, you're you're, you're, you're but a young babe, but you got some some skeletons in the closet yourself. I do. Who doesn't? (laughs) Well, we're about to find out what those skeletons are. This is Lost and Rewound on Radio Free Brooklyn. Stick around for more with Sophie Blue. 
Radio Free Brooklyn is a 501c3 nonprofit organization whose mission is to provide a free and open platform to our community and promote media literacy, education, and free expression. We rely primarily on donations from listeners like you. To help support our mission, we invite you to make a one-time donation or monthly pledge at radiofreebrooklyn.org slash donate. Every cent helps us to continue to stay on the air. So please, support independent community media by pledging whatever you can afford. All contributions are tax-deductible to the fullest extent of the law. Again, that's radiofreebrooklyn.org slash donate. Welcome back to Lost and Rewound. We're here in the rec room with our guest of the week, Sophie Blue. I know that we just, uh, during the break, gave a quick little recap about our uh, uh, non-for-profit status. And I just wanted to also tack on to that and say that since we are recording from the rec room, uh, Radio Free Brooklyn has a after-school program called Teen Squad Live. It's actually a part of the after-school program where local teenagers will learn media literacy through media making using a hands-on approach guided by local professionals. And uh, if you'd be interested or in participating or donating to this program, uh, please go to radiofreebrooklyn.org slash teen squad. Again, remember all donations are tax deductible. It's a really amazing space here. If you, th- you know, Absolutely. Just think, I mean, the fact that teenagers could come in here and learn how to be on the radio like I am. Uh, I mean, I look back, you know, the fact that you and I both were uh, really shaped and influenced by the radio that we listened to at that age that we were being so um, influenced uh, by what we were listening to, they could be in this studio learning how to be a, you know, a radio DJ. 100%. I think that's incredible. Did you that's ever? Awesome. You wanted to be a radio DJ at one point, didn't I you? I did, yeah. Um, uh, radio K at the University of Minnesota is Hell an yeah. awesome radio station. Yeah. Um, I wanted everything to do with it, but the times that were available to do training and things like that, unfortunately, um, with my workload, did not blend while I was trying to do, you know, still like work on my music, but also go to school. I was also doing a lot of uh, photography and film projects at that time, too. So unfortunately, it did not find itself in my schedule, although I do uh, regret that. <laughs> uh-huh. Well, you, you did donate uh, to me some clips from college, I do believe, uh, so we could find yeah. out just what you were doing instead oh, of Radio no. K. <laughs> oh, no. we, we, we have some older stuff to play from high school, but I wanted to start with these just since they're very short and very innocent. Oh, uh, yeah. Figure we can not get, music related. Not but. music related, but <laughs> it gives you an idea. Little personality view. Uh, well, there's one that's untitled and one that has a title uh, of just like you know normal file title. So, is there any way that you know which one is which? And um, the one is because they're because they're videos. They're videos, right? but the audio so, is the dominant feature. Yep. Okay. And the one that is like all I know which one the all black is is like the all black screen is one, and then there's a, a more animated one. <laughs> Well, why don't we start with the with the one that's a black screen, just oh, because God. I I haven't watched these. I don't know what I'm going to have to listen to. So I'm curious. So let's see what we can ascertain from this one. Okay. Thief, 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 thief. Okay, what? <laughs> oh, my God. I, I, I don't even... That might be the shortest clip we've ever played on this show. What what even was yeah, that? Yeah, it says so much. <laughs> to you, you got to give me context, girl. What up? I, you know, I don't know where this joke came from. I don't know why we arrived at it. One time in my dorm room freshman year with my two 
best friends who are still very much so my best friends. We were just like big goofballs. Like they just have these amazing senses of humor that are really outrageous. And when you're living in the dorms and you're trying to like ignore the fact that you're drowning in schoolwork and stuff like that, the goofiness was a really welcome haven from that. And I don't know why we thought it was so funny, but we just thought that we just thought the word beef and the concept of beef, 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 beef. in a conceptual sense. Mm hmm was the funniest thing that we've ever heard. And so we, and we just like couldn't even contain ourselves. We thought it was so funny. And then from uh, to this day, like for years afterwards, we used to send each other photos of raw beef. We held a beef themed party for my and my friend Taylor's birthday one year. The hilarious thing is that I'm a vegetarian. So um, okay, yeah, I don't, we just thought the concept of beef was truly hilarious. Okay. That was a Snapchat that I sent to my friend and I was peeing myself. I thought it was so funny. <laughs> it, it, it is funny because it uh, totally makes absolutely no sense. Exactly. <laughs> uh, but now that you have uh, applied a context for it, I could definitely see how uh, this was a, a calming effect to an otherwise very stressful uh, school year. Yeah. Just like trying to be irreverent. I know how that is. Yeah. I, I have a different relationship with beef uh, in that the word <laughs> see, beef. See, it's funny. <laughs> This, this this is what I want to play. This is very quick. Gentlemen, I give you the future. Beef. So that's from a movie called Phantom of the Paradise. When I saw the movie and I was introduced to this character of beef, it just totally took on a whole new meaning. So every time I just think of the word beef, I think of it in the uh, <laughs> in the voice of the great Paul Williams as Swan, this like really evil record executive in this movie. Beef, he's going to be the next star. <laughs> uh, it's incredible. That's incredible. Yeah. So I need you to send that to me so I can send that yeah. to my friends. Because <laughs> it will change their lives. It, well, it, it, it's already changed yours. It has. I'm changed. Garrett Graham's character of Beef in this movie. You, you just, when you get home, you need to look up all of the clips of beef on it. it his um, all all his scenes are show showstoppers. They, that's incredible. They are there. <laughs> he steals every scene he's in easily. Um, but enough about that. We need to uh, listen to another clip of yours uh, <laughs> oh, no. of of the irreverent variety, and this one does not have a difference in length. It's also very short. <laughs> Excuse me? What did I? Okay. So that there's a lot of more visual in there than you let it up to be. Uh, the, yeah. the sound is, is like slow-mo you, but it, you're making movements in that video like you're a Tyrannosaurus Rex. Yeah. Well, I mean, the audio I thought was pretty good. Like the audio is the funniest part of that video because... It is, but the video tells so much more. Please explain what you're doing in this video. <laughs> so um, we were just, again, like just goofing around. Um, this is sophomore year of college. School had just gotten out. I'm pretty sure, or like it was towards the end of the year. And we were living in this 
I lied when I said I'd never lived in a house. I realized I lived in a college house. Good. I'm glad um, you lived off campus for a little yes. bit. Yes. Oh, no, yeah. No, no one deserves to be on, on campus, campus the entire four yeah, years. I only lived I only lived in the dorms first Gross. year. Yeah, we lived in this big house and we packed it full of people. There were like seven of us, um, all girls. And there was an attic that was turned into sort of like a communal space slash bedrooms, which is totally not up to like housing no, code at all. No, <laughs> definitely not. Um, How many of y'all were in there? There was two girls that lived. Yo, it was like a loft. It was like a loft but room. But two, pe- two people were living there? Yeah. So when you walked up the, <laughs> when you walked up the stairs, there were, there was like two eaves and there was a bed in one eave and then on the right hand side and then a bed in another eave on the left hand oh, side. Jeez. Um, and it was actually a super cool sort of hippy dippy space. We sure. like decorated it and everything and it was really fun and we used to have people over up there. Uh-huh. Um, and we would just hang out up there because you could go out on the roof from that level. Right. So that's us in the loft in the middle like or like right out. Like I think, like I said, I think at school had just gotten out and so we were especially goofy and yeah. I don't know how it started, why I was doing that, but I was just feeling a little growly that day. You're, hey, ever, you know, can you do a good growl? No, you can't growl. You don't want to screw oh. your voice up, right? Uh, so that growl, we, it was like, you know how Snapchat has those like voice things that you can put on it? Yeah. yeah. Um, so that's what that was that just made it. And the end is me going like, oh my God, that's going to be so bad. But it's like, that's going to be so bad. That's going <laughs> to be so bad. Yeah. So I can do a pretty good growl. I can do like almost kind of, I can do like a snarl almost. Uh, can you, can you, can you, tr- you, you do, want me to do it? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> what the fuck? What the fuck was that? What the <laughs> fuck was that? Girl, you need to get a voiceover agent right away. I wow. I can also I do was... like, I can do a pretty good stitch growl. Okay. Also, if you want to hear that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we should just conduct the rest of this interview with growls and snarls. I can't believe I just did that. Oh, God. Could you do it one more time, please? <laughs> You ever see those videos of like the dogs are saying I love you, but like Yeah well, like, like the French bulldog? No, but you, those ones? Like there's like a French bulldog who can do I love you. Can you say oh. I love you in 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 that in the stitch okay. voice? I love you. <laughs> That's so perfect. You 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 sound you 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 like tap right into uh French bulldog uh, uh now meme. I gotta see that. That's perfect. Okay. <laughs> Whoa! All right, where do we go? Where do we go from here? There's a we, wormhole right there. <laughs> we we we've only scratched the surface. Uh, Sophie, you uh, provided to us something from high school. I did. This is a cover of it, Lana Del Rey at yeah. your high school talent show. Yep, it was. So the seniors do a variety show. It's like a big thing that everybody puts together and so there's like skits that people do and then there's like musical numbers and then like more serious some people like have read poetry before or I did you know I was a part of like the funny things and then I also did um this cover of Million Dollar Man by Lana Del Rey everybody knew that I sang I was in drama I was in musical theater like my whole life All right. um, up to, you know, up through that point. Sure. Um, so everybody was definitely like knew I was a performer. Yeah. Um, but I had never sat in front of a 
you know, this was a, actually a beautiful grand piano. I had never sat in front of a piano and like played sort of like more, you know, contemporary music to um, a body of people before. But I had performed a lot, so. And, it, and it's coming straight off of your iPhone. And we're about to listen it to is. it right now. Oh, man. 
Well then, that was very impressive, Sophie. <laughs> Thanks. Uh, you don't seem to agree with me from the from that nervous laugh. Um, I just you know you're always your biggest critic. I just think it's funny being 18 at that time and trying to like figure out your style. You know, yeah. so like I don't think I don't. I mean, I think you know your voice is one thing, and you, you I can be kind of like. Like, oh, yeah, that sounded good. You can't see it in the video, but I'm just like, I just kind of am playing the keys like a robot. You know, there's no, my body doesn't move. I'm not really like expressing the song. I'm kind of just like sing, like just kind of like technically singing it, I guess. Right. Uh, I mean, there are a few components to why that was the case. You are playing for so many people. So you're (laughs) fixated on what exactly just what you're doing and you're not focusing on anything else. You just wanted to just sort of escape into the music a little bit. Yeah, I guess you, yeah, I guess you could say that. There was definitely nerves component. Also. Yeah, yeah. For, no, I mean, I'm <laughs> yeah. saying like because of how many different people. Do you have maybe the ability to play right now a, an old song of yours? I do. Yeah, I can okay. definitely do that. Um, I'm gonna, how old is the song? It's. I think I was about maybe the same age, if not maybe like half a year older than I was in that video from the senior show. So college, first year so, of college. Um. Well, I actually took a gap year in between high school and college. Oh. So okay. I was probably about 17 or 18, probably 17, actually, because I graduated high school. I'm, I was young for my grade, so I graduated high school oh, when I was 17. Oh, I see. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to play this song. Um, I kind of, let me see if I can remember what I, what I called it. it do you, um, not, you don't even remember what you called it? Uh, I, I do. I'm probably just, I think I'm just like blanking. Hold on, let me think. Um, you don't have to remember the name. You can just play it and then maybe you'll come to you when the, when the, when you start singing it. Yeah, it will definitely. Okay. <laughs> to me. I'll, I'll say it after. How about okay, that? perfect. <laughs> um, All right. So we're going to listen to this song now that you wrote when you were uh, 17. Yeah. And uh, you're going to use the old Casio for it. Oh, it's called Party Glow. That's what it's called. All right. So here we go. We're going to hear something from the archives. There's tons and tons of beautiful boys in New York. Silk ties, gelled hair, swept out. But I could get my share. Yeah, there's tons of beautiful boys, but I only got eyes for I'm guy and I'm as hopped up on Chill vibes, Saturdays, dark and don't run away. I love his good times, but he doesn't always want to spend them with me. So let me be the star of your show Let me shine in your party glow I know you like 
life is fast out here There's pretty girls whispering in your ear Just don't forget I'm always near When you remember that I'm yours You're the number one What you keep me waiting for Oh, sugar and spice and everything nice That's what my man is made of All visions of me Kissing the breeze I'm up in the web Down where so carefree All these are the dreams that play in my head While he runs around this hole in my bed Anyone like you What you keep me waiting for? What you keep me waiting for? Ooh. Far out. I'm really appreciative of. <laughs> That we heard that it certainly gives good context for how uh, far you've come. But incidentally, uh, it sounds like you could really perform that, and it would f- feel like really seamless with all of your other work that I- I've got. Pat, uh, luckily, been able to hear. Yeah, you know what? I I, I actually kind of want to record that song one time I, someday. I think it could be say that now. Yeah, yeah. I w- I think I would. Yeah, put the new spin on it after years of being on the I show. With a band, it would be really fun. How often do you perform with a band? Um, not very often. Um, I did a little bit when I was in London. I'm getting that together. Um, now, actually, I'm trying to record an EP. So I'm getting some collaborations together and I'm going to get in the studio. I want that finished by the end of this year. So I really want to be playing with a band probably more often than not these days. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Y- you're certainly well connected enough, uh, especially um, I, you know, you told me before we went, started to record that uh, your boyfriend is a musician yeah. as well. So, I mean, even without the nepotism notwithstanding, uh, you certainly have uh, connections even through your performances Definitely. that you have. We play uh, together sometimes actually as well. Yeah? yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh man, that's yeah. super rad. Yeah, he's in a band called The Spoils and they're great. You should check them out too. But it's like a punk band, right? Yeah, they're a heavier rock. It just situation. sounds like a punk. Rock. The spoils. Yeah, yeah, they're. I love the name. It's a recent name change, but it's it's really good. Yeah, they're uh, they're they're freaking awesome. Yeah, um, I mean, if you collaborate with him and you collaborate with others, I mean, shoot, I mean, you've definitely got already enough connections to make that EP with a band happen. Yeah, yeah, I'm definitely. I'm already. It's already in the works. Ooh, um, excited. But, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I have that kind of to sink my teeth into you have uh the Bandcamp site as well as soundcloud i do i have Bandcamp. i have soundcloud and i actually have i have a song on um 
all the streaming platforms too, which is actually also a song that I wrote when I was about 17, 18 years old. Um, so I'm, I'm, it's there. It's, it's there. there. So if they want to go to Bandcamp, they can go to sophieblue.bandcamp.com or on SoundCloud, soundcloud.com slash sophie underscore blue. Thank you very much, Sophie Blue, for being here on this edition of Lost and Rewound. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a pleasure. And that will do it for us this week. This has been episode 163. My name is Alon Danziger. Listen to us next week here on Radio Free Brooklyn. Another edition of Lost and Rewound signing off. Ha ha ha!